Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Viking stock. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Well, I hope every game that we play has their attention. So, um, but they're obviously a good team, and we just we need to go play better. That was Mike Zimmer asking if the players are focused on. On Tampa Bay, was the insinuation there that they weren't focused on the Jaguars, and that's why they went into overtime? I don't know, I guess. I did not hear the start, so I'm not sure if he was trying to um, express a frustration for his team's really, really bad first quarter. Well, well I got to think they're going to be they're going to be locked in. I would think against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, and we're going to get to uh, a little bit of discussion as it pertains to that game. We're going most of that's going to be later in the week. It's our Football Nerd Stats of the Week on today's episode of Purple Daily, powered in part by our friends at Corona Heart Seltzer. Declan? Yeah, Corona Heart Seltzer is the only heart seltzer made with Pure Beach Fives. Mr. Game Winning Drive, I I think uh, Mr. Game Winning Drive likes himself maybe a Corona Heart Seltzer after yesterday's performance. Maybe maybe a little lime after crushing those lime green uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I like where you're going there. I, I I think he maybe came home a little bit, turned on the film, because we always know Kirk Cousins, I have to watch the film. Uh, before I can answer an accurate question. <laughs> Mr. Game-Winning Drive earns that right now, so it's it's okay. Because Corona Hard Seltzer is the only hard seltzer made with Pure Beach Fives with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors, such as tropical lime, mango cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. 23-yarder for the win. And it is good. I don't know. Uh, Joe, we're getting better um, in, in a lot of areas. You know, defensively, we didn't start out the season very good. Um, we continue to get better. Uh, last two weeks, we played better and better. Um, even missing some of the guys that we were missing. But, um, uh, you know, we, we still haven't put it all the way together yet. And if we if we do that, then I think we have a chance to be pretty good. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing. We're going to get to our nerd football stats of the week. A lot of interesting telling things. But off that soundbite you just heard from Mike Zimmer, Judd Zolgad, um, do you think the Vikings have withheld their best football so far this year? And what do you think their best football looks like if they haven't played it yet? 
I think in Mike Zimmer's mind, they have definitely not played their best defensively because I think it, in his mind, he can manipulate and play call this defense into being something that I guess I have my doubts about, okay? So, because when Mike talks about things like we haven't played our best football or we can improve, often he's talking about his defense because that's his pride and joy and that's his baby. Um, what do I think it looks like? I actually think that if we were to see if the Vikings have another gear and look, the last two games, well, the last three games have not been pretty, right? Dallas loss, Carolina game uh, definitely was not perfect. And Jacksonville was incredibly flawed. I actually would say that the Vikings, uh, if they were to reach what could be their peak for 2020, it would probably be more on offense than defense because I, I think the defense is getting by but the line again is not great the corners are improving but they're certainly not great yet um so I think that if if Mike was to delve into what he mentioned and we were to go deeper on that subject Phil I think the reality is we would probably disagree because if there is another gear or two to be had from this team, I think it's probably on the offensive side of the ball, more on defense. My guess is Mike was talking more about defense. It kind of feels like well, he's always talking about defense, right? right? <laughs> yeah, like that's is my he ever not referring to defense? That, that's my assumption. Yeah, when he says we haven't played our best football yet, I'm thinking, all right, wait a second. Offensively against the Packers, you guys handed off to Del- like those games where Dalvin Cook went for 200 plus yards and Kirk was just perfect playing off play action. Uh, even the last three games, I think Kirk has thrown for 300 yards the last three games, if I'm not mistaken, right? Now, there's been some mistakes in there. Offensively, there's probably still another level even, but they've been pretty damn good offensively. And the defense has been the thing that, you know, they, they gave up a couple drives in the fourth quarter to Dallas, and they let the Mike Glennon march down and tie the game, and then two-point conversion. And the Panthers darn near did, too. Yeah, they, uh, they squeaked that game out. Missed the field goal. I'm trying to think of what their like if they were to just bring a complete game to the table or if 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 we were to take their complete A game over the course of a month i think their offense rivals every team's offense except for Kansas City at its peak i think and it's not because like if if Seattle's offense is operating at its peak and the Vikings offense is operating at its peak i think it's much more Russell Wilson centric to get to the 35 points than it would be Kirk Cousins centric for the Vikings the Vikings offense at full strength is like Dalvin running for 150 and 200 and Kirk hitting bombs to right. Jefferson and Thielen off play action and they score, you know, five touchdowns or something. Right. Um, so the method would look different. I think if every offense is playing at their best, Kansas City is still head and shoulders of everyone else, but the Vikings are in that next tier conversation at their best because of Dalvin and because of the way Kirk plays off play action. I don't think if their defense is playing at its best, the upside is like top three defense in the league for a month. You don't think it's 2,000 Ravens at this point? There's not enough pass rush. Uh, as great as Cam Dantzler has looked at times, including a spectacular game against the Jaguars, they still have enough inexperience at those cornerback positions to get torn apart a little bit. And teams like the Jaguars are going to score 24 points on you because they can pick on a Chris Boyd or somebody else. Um, but I think like at their best, if, if the offense is clicking and the defense is, let's say, average compared to the rest of the league, that's enough to do some damage and maybe win a playoff game or two if if that total package is still lurking in the weeds over the next month, month and a half, two months or so. Do you think that this defense can stop a really good quarterback who gets hot? No. 
I think I guess that would be my question. And then can you go if that takes place? Can you go toe to toe with Kirk and how this offense runs with a quarterback on the other side who gets hot against your defense? We'll do more of a deep dive into Tampa later this week, I'm sure, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense the way Bruce Arians wants it to run operating at full strength is like the exact thing you don't want to see if you're the Vikings defense, right? It's great wide receivers, an accurate quarterback, and the play calling is designed for chunks down the field. And you're asking potentially Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler, I would trust more than anyone, but you're asking like rookie cornerbacks or Chris Boyd to to line up on Antonio Brown. Or, hey, Jeff Jeff Gladney going to need you to cover Chris Godwin Yep. And prevent him from catching nine passes for, you know, 106 yards. That's my touchdowns. that's my question. So this is actually kind of the kryptonite game the rest of their schedule. You know, the Saints, the Vikings seem to have a pretty good formula for containing the Saints over the last couple of years. And I think Drew Brees is more banged up and a lesser version of himself than when the Vikings have already beat that team in bigger games. Not that that's a, a guaranteed win for the Vikings by any means, but... The toughest game on the schedule, matchup-wise, and and probably uh, just in terms of the weapons you're going to face, is the game this Sunday against Tampa Bay for the defense. That's my two cents. Yes, I agree. Here's my comeback, though. This is the type of game facing Brady. Coming off a bye, yes, but he's not playing great. This is the exact type of game where where Zimmer's ability to game plan and be creative plays a huge role. Like I actually think Jacksonville and and the Panthers are bigger problems cuz I don't know that Mike really schemes the, those game plans up. But when they play the Saints or the Bucks and Brady, I think he does. So I'm really curious but before I before I say that the Vikings are going to lose I am curious as to what the game plan is going to be because this is where Mike shines. And Mike, to go back to the playoff game against the Saints last season, has the ability to throw off veteran really good QBs. So that's the one thing. Yep, I agree with that. That's the one thing. And I think if anyone can take a group of inexperienced rookie caliber players uh, and and backup guys that are just sort of filling in and scheme it to make uncomfortable uh, Tom Brady uncomfortable. Mike Zimmer would be the first defensive mind that I would choose. We'll see if it's enough on Sunday and we'll dive more into that game. But we got to get to our nerd football stats of the week powered by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years and they just announced My Shield, which if you're a business owner, My Shield is your personalized online destination for risk management resources for your business. You can access My Shield 24/7, computer, tablet, smartphone, My Shield app. If you want to find out more if you're a business owner out there, uh, go to federatedinsurance.com and click on Meet My Shield at Federated. Remember, it's our business to protect yours. Get those nerds! Judd, why don't you throw the first nerdy stat out? You did a deep dive on Justin Jefferson yeah. compared to Randy Moss's rookie season. Twelve games in, and and I have been, I think, in town at the forefront of saying, get Justin Jefferson the ball more, right? Like, he needs 
the ball more. And I think he had 12 targets and nine catches against uh, the Jaguars on Sunday, but he had two targets and two catches in, in the first half, which I deemed to not be enough. So I thought to myself, 12 games into his rookie season in 1998, where was Moss at compared to Justin Jefferson? And what I found was, I thought, intriguing. 12 games into his first year, Jefferson is at 84 targets, 61 catches, 1,039 yards, and 7 touchdowns, okay? Moss, comparatively, same amount of games. Jefferson at 84 targets, Moss was at 76. Catches. Jefferson, I said, is at 61. Moss was at 47. Wow. Yards. Jefferson, 1,039 yards. Moss was at 1,014. The only substantial difference that is advantage Randy, touchdowns, 7 for Jefferson, 11 at that time for Moss. So Moss was only catching like 3 to 4 passes per game at this point, you know, 12 games into the 1998 season. Yes, sir. So they were really, really just using him as a run down the field, We'll either find you or we won't. They'll either double, triple cover you, in which case we'll go underneath the Chris Carter, Jake Reed, whoever else. I sort of had it in my head that they were using him more. So did I. But but they weren't. No, they weren't. So as much as we complain about Justin Jefferson's lack of targets, Randy Moss, 1998, I'm retroactively outraged that the Vikings didn't use him more. The question is, do you think that Carter was a better receiver than Thielen, which justified them in their minds going to Carter more? Yes, or do, do you think that those two are equal or close to? No, the 1998 version of Chris Carter was like coming off of setting the NFL, a couple of years earlier, you, setting the, the NFL record for catches in a season. Yes. And I think Adam Thielen's one of the 10 to 15 best wide receivers in the league, but Chris Carter was like the guy, yeah. possession, third down, red zone. Um, Adam Thielen is diet Chris Carter. And, and Adam Thielen might wind up in the Vikings' ring of honor, but I don't think there's discussion about Adam Thielen being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame quite yet. That's right. He'd right. have to do this for a long time. So that's really interesting. I'll dial it back, though. Just a bit, but I will okay, dial so, it back a little bit. So the numbers are very similar. The errors are different. You know, I think teams are just throwing the ball more, although the Vikings are bottom five in the league in pass attempts going into last week. Yes. I can go see where it stands now. So take the numbers aside for a second. As you just remember Randy Moss's career and his rookie season – and you're watching Justin Jefferson's play out, would you put Justin Jefferson on the level of young Randy Moss? Okay, that's a really difficult question because of this. When Moss entered the league, he changed the game uh, because he was it was so new, right? Like Moss bought Moss brought a skill set that had existed, but not like he did it, right? Yeah. Like spectacular catches. And you could... You could have Cunningham throw the ball up and say, he's going to catch it. So it's a difficult question to answer because the timing of what Moss did when he did it changed, in my opinion, the league significantly. That being said, um, I think the fair answer to your question is they are very close. I think I think that's fair. I'm trying to think too. It's such it's such an impossible bar to meet what Randy Moss represented for that position in 1998. Of course, I don't even know what like a new bar would look like now. You know, receivers. I think receivers make more ridiculous catches now because a million different reasons. I think they they train from the age of like 10 to be able to make one-handed Odell Beckham Jr. catches. It's sort of like the Steve Nash effect Mm -hmm. among shooting. Uh, guards in the NBA where it's like, hey, you better be able to shoot from 40 feet Absolutely. and practice from 
You know, like but all, Moss changed that. Like receivers from a young age have literally been practicing. You got mossed for fifteen <laughs> right. or twenty years now. Right. You know, how do you go up in traffic and bring one down one handed? So the the bar is impossible to to compare because Randy Moss set a new type of wide receiver loose in the NFL. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I don't think is like on the. I don't think he's doing things that Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't doing or that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't doing. He's doing it at that level as a rookie, and that's awesome. And the Vikings are going to benefit from that for five or ten years. What would a new bar look like? Like, what would the Randy Moss 2020 equivalent look like in a wide receiver now? Like, what would they have to be doing that we aren't already seeing among the top five or six guys, including Jefferson? I don't think it, it exists. I, I, I think the game has now changed because, and Moss, see, Moss to me is is a Babe Ruth type because he altered the game and the game changed. And then guys come along after that and one up that. But they don't change the game. So I don't know that when it comes to the passing game itself, Phil, that there is a new bar to reach as far as that's the new Moss. But I think when we watch Jefferson, my appreciation is there are, there are you know, a handful or possibly slightly more of these just outstanding receiver types now. And in his first year, twelve games in, Justin Jefferson fits in that group. Mm-hmm. Like that's saying that is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to, for one second, sell the kid short because he's great. But I don't know that he has the ability, or anyone who comes along now has the ability to change the game like Moss did. Because like Moss gave, in my opinion, Moss gave the league and teams ideas like the Rams, the Rams were like, Holy cow, let's do this. Let's do that. And he was the guy. When you go back and watch what he did at that time. And that I'll always go back to the fact that Ron Wolf, a hall of fame GM from green Bay in the next draft, April of 1999, Drafted, I believe, three consecutive defensive backs who were six feet or taller mm-hmm. because of Moss. So, as far as that alteration goes, I don't think it can be replicated now because of what Moss started. Yeah, I I would agree with that. So I'm and, trying to be fair here, and so I, I guess the the summation of this is that Justin Jefferson is every bit as impactful in today's NFL for this Vikings team. Um, to elevate their offense as Randy Moss maybe was in 1998. It's just a different, like, Randy Moss made such a splash because, oh, my God, you can just, like, take a snap, throw a ball 50 yards in the air, and he's going to run under it. You can't overthrow him. you just never seen some like of these a, before. It's like a punt, yeah. We've seen almost everything there is to see with talented wide receivers now, and Justin Jefferson yeah. is playing at the top of that pool. Yes. Now, here's the difference. So the, the more thought I give this, I think the difference is this. In 98, quarterbacks, including Cunningham at that time, were willing to sort of throw up jump balls, right? Yeah, interceptions were sort of becoming taboo. They were, but not totally yet. One, Kirk doesn't like to. And two, what you just said is exactly right, which is if I throw up a jump ball and it gets picked, it's a reflection on me. Um, If you cut Justin Jefferson loose with the quarterback who's like, Ah, eh, you know what? Picks are picks. That's where I think that's where I think we miss his potential greatness because Cunningham, I never got the sense 
that he truly cared, in part because I think he knew that that 90% of the time back then, Moss was going to come down with the football, right? Yeah. Like, Kirk's not going to do that. Like, Kirk, Kirk can make the throw, and he will, and we saw it on Sunday, but I think in Kirk's mind, the circumstances have to be right. I think in Cunningham and Billick and Denny Green and Moss's mind, if Moss ran a pass pattern, it meant the circumstances were right. So it's a good segue into just another bonus <laughs> nerd stat for you, okay? They, they track something in the NFL called catch percentage, which is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the It's the percentage of receptions divided by how many times you were targeted. So this isn't necessarily a referendum on accuracy, but it's you know, over the course of a season, you were targeted 100 times, you caught 70 passes, that means your catch percentage was 70. Now, could the other 30 have been sailing over your head and you had no chance? That's where it doesn't tell the whole story. But, so take this with a grain of salt. Justin Jefferson has caught 73% of his passes so far in his rookie season. Randy Moss caught only just over 50%, 55% of his passes in, two, in uh, 1998. Now, is that to mean that, like, oh, Randy just, like, he was unreliable and dropped a lot of passes? No, it means Randall Cunningham <laughs> was just throwing the ball up to him. Interceptions be damned sometimes. Not that he threw a bunch of picks in 98. It was just like, well... There's two guys on him, and I don't give a rip. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna cock it and throw it, baby. Absolutely. And so Randy Moss is ca- the best receivers in the NFL are sitting in 2020 around like a 70 to 75 percent catch rate. Jefferson was at like 80 percent up until a couple weeks ago. Just nuts. And some of that's cousins. Cousins is accurate, and he's only throwing it to Jefferson. He's not like just closing his eyes and throwing it up, right? Right. Randy Moss catch percentages in his first few years in the league. Okay. with with Dante in that second year, 57%. With uh, Oakland, it was 48% and 44%. Again, because, and this is like still 2005, like the quarterback era is starting here, but Oakland didn't have great quarterbacks. And they're just like, uh, I don't know, run down the field. Yes. And we'll just, we'll just throw it down there and see what happens. Right. So if Randy Moss came into this, and he could run a route, too. It wasn't like he was a one-route pony. Randy Moss could run a route. Absolutely. Maybe not Adam Thielen style, but but if you put That's Randy great. Moss in today's NFL and quarterbacks are more accurate and I think quarterbacks paid more attention to just making sure that we're not just throwing up prayers to you, he'd probably catch fewer passes in some of these seasons, but he would almost certainly have higher catch percentages because the targets would be more realistic for him. So, so. what... What was Moss's catch uh, percentages when he got to New England to play with Brady? Do you have that? Uh, about 60%. Okay. 60%, 55%, 60%. And again, like a lot of his routes were down the field routes. Like they were, if, if, now I always contested if you told Randy Moss, you can't run a go route, you can only run underneath stuff, like you have to play slot, would he have been a Julian Edelman? Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, like caliber slot receiver, not necessarily. He been retired quickly, and he went and he had the alligator arm sometimes. But if like he had to do that, yeah. if it was just hey third down close quarters, I think he could have been great in that re- in that regard too. Mm-hmm. But he knew that his strength was going down the field, and he was going to milk that a because it led to more touchdowns and yards. But b it was also like less likely to get you decapitated over the middle, and it preserved his career. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, good stuff on Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Our next nerd football stat of the week. 
Let's talk about the Vikings skill position players here. Are they the best in the NFL collectively when you look at running back Dalvin Cook and the wide receivers? According to Pro Football Focus, going into the month of December here, or the second week in December, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are ranked as the third and fourth best wide receivers in the NFL. Devontae Adams is number one with the Packers. And Dalvin Cook is ranked as the second best running back in the NFL behind only Damian Harris from New England, who's in his second year, third round draft pick last year. Really? Just like doesn't have nearly as many snaps, but like he's he's qualified. Okay, I didn't expect he's you to a good say season. that. So, uh, but so if you kind of took him off and said, all right, that's a weird New England anomaly and he's part of a system of running backs. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, all regarded as top four at their position going into this week. So by that measure, the Vikings might have the best collective group of skill position players in the NFL. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah. Cook is so good, and and the offense revolves around him so much that it makes sense. I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there is a group of skill position players that I would prefer from a different team. I guess if it's operating on all cylinders, I might consider the Saints, right? With Kamara. Chiefs, and, Chiefs are pretty ridiculous Chief, at wide yeah, receiver, too. And Chiefs. Uh, I think it's very fair to say that the Vikings are probably, if not the top, that they would be in the top three to five for sure. Yeah, five, mean, five is a slam dunk. Uh, three is probably a debate. But they would, if you take what they do with their players, I think it's very fair to say that you could argue it into being top three without a huge problem. Yeah, the missing Wouldn't ingredient you? would be the tight end. You don't have like a Travis Kelsey level well, tight end. Well, the Irv end. Smith thing to me is like, yeah. I'm still curious. You had the depth. If Assuming Irv Smith was healthy, you had the depth. I mean, you, you can mm-hmm. make a case that maybe you had the two best tight end sets, but are one of those guys top five right now? Probably not. Yeah, like I'll I'll gladly take a Travis Kelsey or uh, what Darren Waller is doing in Las Vegas over, you know, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph's fine, but like if I throw him the ball, he's not going to run twenty yards and yeah. truck a safety. No, he's just going to get <laughs> tackled pretty much after a gain of four yards or five yards, right? Yeah. Dalvin Cook's usage. You found this from our our guy Ben Gessling oh. at the Star Tribune. Okay, you have this. this yep, is incredible. So Cook, this is man. Either you're fine with this or you're like, wow, pump the brakes and we'll see what happens at the end of the year. So Dalvin Cook ended the day on Sunday with 32 carries and six catches, touching the ball more times, 38, than any non-quarterback in Vikings history other than Ted Brown, who had 39 touches on November 8th, 1981. So let that sink in. 60 years of Vikings football. Dalvin Cook just touched the ball more on Sunday against the Jaguars, a one-win Jaguars team than any player except Ted Brown, who had 39 on November 8th, 1981. Yep. Delvin Cook now has four games of at least 30 touches this season, more than any NFL player since Le'Veon Bell had six such games for the Steelers in 2017. He has handled the ball 182 times in the Vikings' past six games and a league-high 286 times on the season despite missing a game against the Falcons with a groin injury. Yep. If Cook touches the ball an average of 28 and a half times over the Vikings' last four games of the regular season, he will be just the NFL's 20th player in the last 20 years to record 400 touches in a season. He needs only 103 more touches to surpass the franchise record of 388 that Adrian Peterson recorded in his 2012 MVP season. So we're reaching... Like 
99th percentile historically of usage in NFL history. Back for to Dalvin the future. Cook. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. We are, we are in 1977, right? As it far is, as yeah. like usage goes. And, and backs back then didn't catch passes. I'm just talking about from a rushing standpoint workload. Um, two questions off of this. I'll start you with the second one. Because I'm not going to debate that Cook is a marvelous player, okay? Big picture. Can this formula, the formula, okay, with the skill position players that this team has, can this work to win you a championship? Because this is the stats basically paint a picture of this is flying in the face of the formula of the majority of teams and how they approach football in 2020. Uh, no, it cannot win you a championship. If you were doing these things and you had the best defense in the NFL, could it win you a championship? Yes. If you were doing these things at a slightly scaled back rate, like the Vikings were in 2009, we're like, definitely have a bell cow running back, want to use them a lot. We're going to chop off like. 15, 20% of that usage so that the quarterback can operate, so that Kirk can cook. Kirk can sing, as Dovin, as uh, Declan says. Kirk, let Kirk sing. Mr. Uh, Gawad, as I call him now. Mr. Gawad. Also, like, he's one of the more injury-prone, whether it's, you know, oh, don't tell him that. or not. Like, he gets, here, he gets hurt. Don't tell him that. So I'm torn. And I saw uh, our, our friend Mark Craig from the Star Tribune was was tweeting about this yesterday. And, I, and so I'm sort of torn between what he said, which is, listen, you sign the guy to a contract. He makes a lot of money. He's a bell cow until proven otherwise. Like you have to feed him the ball. Mm-hmm. You know what are you saving him for? Are you guaranteed that like if you don't use those carries now, you can then use them next year? They transfer over like your vacation days. Um, I mean, is there any proof of that either? I think there's proof that if you ride a guy for 400 carries, it's pretty likely he's going to get hurt the next year. Yeah, you're time after time. Christian McCaffrey this year, whether it's directly correlated or not, yeah. high usage leads to some sort of problem in the future. Uh, so are the Vikings, by doing this, I think the question is, by doing this this year with Dalvin Cook, are they essentially guaranteeing that he drops off the planet next year, either physically or or otherwise? I mean, signs point to the answer being yes quite often in the NFL. And do... do... <laughs> Does a team that won one of its first six games think it's good enough that it's smart to give a guy almost 40 touches against the Jacksonville Jaguars? That's my question. Ideally, you can beat that team without doing that. You should be able to, right? Like, that shouldn't be... And and I get... So, here's my my case against what they're doing. If he was all that you had, I'd be like, all right, I started to get this. Like, that's it. Like... If this is uh, if this is Aroma Shadu and Jenkins at receiver, right? If this is a broken down tight end and that's it, I'd say okay, you don't have a lot here. I I don't like it, but I get it. But we just talked about and Phil, your question to me was: Do the Vikings possibly have the best set of skill position players in the NFL, not in the division, in the entire league? Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question becomes. Is there a workaround here to cut down on this guy's load? Which, by the way, he went into the Jacksonville game with an ankle 
injury that uh, stopped him from practicing in full until Friday. And it was very evident to me in watching that game on Sunday that he didn't have that that secondary burst, okay? So this was definitely not a guy operating at full strength. And he touched the ball almost 40 times. Um, I guess my question to the Vikings is, one, how far do you think that you can go in 2020 with this plan? And two... What does this say about your reliance on the run game in a pass-first league? To which I'm going to go back to your guy now, Mr. Gwad, who's playing pretty well. I mean, Mr. Gwad's playing pretty well, right? That would be Mr. Game-Winning Drive to you, okay? You're not on a shorten the nickname basis with Mr. him, okay? GWD. Mr. Game-Winning Drive. Listen, I look at Gwad. And by the way, it's my guy, Mr. Game-Winning Drive okay, your guy, you. Okay, your guy, your guy is playing pretty well right now. And I say, wouldn't this be the perfect time to um, segue, transition some of your trust tree to him to see? Uh, ordinarily, I think the answer here would be yes. Here's Here's part of the problem you're going to deal with against the Buccaneers. All right, I'm going to give you a couple. The Buccaneers have a good defense. And it's a outstanding run defense. So the the Buccaneers have allowed the fewest rush yards per game of any team in the NFL, 74.2. And they've also allowed the fewest rush yards per carry at 3.3. So you think, all right, that means you're probably going to want, like you'll show run, but you're this is probably going to have to be a Kirk game and, and you're going to have to sling it around the old lot, Justin Jefferson, et cetera. Well, here's the other problem, okay, since we're doing nerd football stats this weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense gets the fourth most pressure percentage-wise on opposing quarterbacks of any team in the NFL. They get a 26% pressure rate on opposing quarterbacks. That's the best in the NFC, by the way. So they're the best pass-rushing pressure team in the NFC. So they're good at everything defensively, you know, in today's there's there there is no eighty five Bears defense in today's NFL. So like by today's defensive standards, the Buccaneers are one of the best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you just drop back and you don't show run over the course of three hours, mm-hmm. that pass rush is going to be a problem for a non mobile quarterback. In my guy, Mister Game Winning Drive, Kirk Cousin, too. Okay, yes, yep. you're right. So even though they stop the run, you almost have to use Dalvin Cook as a sacrificial lamb just to get your passing yeah. game going this weekend. Sure. So sorry, Dalvin. I know that your usage rate is up and you're banged up, but you still have to touch the ball even for show against this defense this week. Absolutely, but that but that's the point about the almost forty carries or touches against the at the time one and ten, now one and eleven Jaguars. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Is we all or I thought okay, they're going to transition a little bit, a little bit away from you know. Let's say he carries the ball 25 times. And I know his backup was out, but the point was I thought that they would try to get him prepared for Tampa, and instead they're going to go in and be like, let's do it again, let's do it again. But I, the main point for me is can the formula as they're doing it, because they've got some personnel here, can the formula as they're executing it, can that work to get them and this show to the stated goal of, a Super Bowl championship at some point. Yeah. I got two more for you here. Nerd football stats. Uh, Vikings cornerback update for you. So Pro Football Focus lists 132 qualified cornerbacks in the NFL this year. 132. Keep that number in your head. Jeff Gladney ranks 99th overall. So, you know, I think he was lower than that at one point. He's playing the slot. It's not simple. 40th in run defense, though. 
Okay, that's great. So top third of the league nice. in tackling, you know, stopping the run, and that's that's kind of what you know, you're a slot corner. You're you're going to be more responsible sometimes for shooting the gap in those situations. Mm-hmm. Cam Dantzler, overall grade out of 132, 26th now in the NFL. Oh, the needle moving up. That is legit. I mean, that is that means he's one of the better. What you know? I guess he's one of the better starting cornerbacks in the league. He's not on that top tier. But he's he's emerging into a guy that could start for almost any team in the NFL, being 26 out of 132. And since the bye week, third in overall grade, second in coverage grade, first in passer rating when targeted from pro football focus, too. So and, he's, and he's he did, picking up. Well, he did get hurt in the Green Bay game, right? That's when he had this. Big concussion. And I believe he mm-hmm. then missed, I think he missed the Bears game or, or the games. following game. So, I mean, there's, there's a couple games. games there that maybe skew it a little bit. But when he's been on the field since the bye week, he's been unbelievable. So Cam Dancer third round pick, progressing. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's pretty damn good for a third-round pick. And I have yeah. one more for you here. This was just a theory that I had that I wanted to see if I could prove or disprove. We've we've talked a lot about the Vikings' end of game and Kirk Cousins going into the last couple of weeks, uh, and he's and he's been better the last couple of weeks. Had a really bad passer rating in his career as Vikings quarterback at the end of games, last two minutes, last four minutes, right? But I'm watching this debacle at the end of the first half where they can't score all half and they're playing the Jaguars and they're handing off on first down and now they're milking 30 seconds for no reason. <laughs> and I'm just like, why are you guys so bad at the end of the first half? Like you take dumb penalties, you're handing off on first and second down and long. Like, go, throw the ball, Justin Jefferson, urgency, go, 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 right? So I went to stathead.com and I wanted to know over the last three years, End of the first half, inside of two minutes, on first and second down. Mm-hmm. Are the Vikings, is the play calling as bad as I think it is? Are they really running the ball that often in those situations? Every time it's like, why are you running? The what are you is, doing? Yes. The Vikings, the is. by far, lead the NFL in rushing attempts inside two minutes of the first half on first and second down. They've run the ball 54 yeah. times in those situations. Again, first and second down, inside two minutes, end of second quarter. They've run the ball 54 times in those situations, most in the NFL the last three years. The next highest team is Tennessee with 47. Teams with like, you know, Pat Mahomes, Drew Brees, those teams have so done your it like 12 did, times. Your eyes did not lie. No. They hand it off absolutely all confirmed. the time on first and second down in those urgent situations. Okay, you gained six yards. That's great. But now you just burn 25 seconds off the clock, you know, as you scramble to get back. Yep. And so. guess what? If they take a false start and it's second and 15, they're going to run to that. It's going to be, so let's hand off to Delvin. Well, but what makes no sense about that is the players around um, the personnel that they have that they could use that they don't use. And I don't get why. Yeah. And you do have... I. I'll go back to this. I know that he's not trusted entirely, despite the fact that he is your guy, Phil Mackey. But Kirk Cousins can make these throws. Like, we're not talking about throws he can't make. Yeah, he can make any throw. He's Mr. Game-winning drive. He's he the late game winning drive. He's the fourth-quarter pharaoh. He can dude. make these throws. You sound surprised. And they don't. <laughs> but it's almost like they don't trust him when they should trust him. You know, maybe if you hadn't spent so much time this season looking at mock drafts and which quarterback they draft, you'd, you'd know these the things. The BYU kid, I'm now concerned. He lost uh, He lost uh, to Coastal Carolina on Saturday. Coastal Carolina is a feisty ranked team, okay? And, and the BYU kid, I think, might, might be the only player on his team. Coastal Carolina is, is, a, is an NFL factory, okay? that's I don't know why. And I'm getting mixed reactions about my guy Kyle Trask of Florida. 
Dex, are we going to do next week? Should we? We can do. We can do a little. Uh, Actually, as film. long as the Vikings what keep if winning, wins we again. You yeah. can't do that to your guy, Mister. I mean, Bleacher Report had their latest mock draft on Monday. So the Vikings taking Zach Wilson. That's awfully negative. Mm. Why would you want to do that when you have Mister. Game Winning Drive? All right, I got when a you've stat got for the you. Dagger Doctor. I got a stat. This cannot happen on mm-hmm. Sunday, or the Vikings will be sunk, and your guy will be sunk, and it won't be his fault. Okay, here it is. The Jacksonville Jaguars entered last Sunday's game not only 1-10, but in those 11 games, they had a league-low 11 sacks. One sack per game from Doug Marone's team, okay? That's pretty bad. Yeah. On 50 dropbacks on Sunday, Kirk Cousins was sacked four times and was hit 14 times. On 50 dropbacks against a team that entered the game averaging one sack per game. It's not ideal. Okay? Let me tell you this. If you take that act to Tampa, you ain't coming out with a W. Yeah, it's it's not ideal. I think you're probably going to see a lot of classic Gary Kubiak, like two tight ends. Protections. CJ Hand. My guy Kyle will be blocking and, a lot. And the only two routes are Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I would be fine with that. Second but, stat. K.J. Osborne. Returned to uh, the active roster on Sunday after being scratched from the game against Carolina because he had ball security problems against Dallas. He did fumble and recovered it, but the stat from Sunday, 21 yards on three punt returns, more than doubling the Vikings' previous season total season punt return yardage. It's amazing. I, I think I think he needs a round of applause for that. How about that, KJ Osborne? I, I raised my coffee to you, buddy. You still fumbled, but he could have fallen forward three times and equaled the amount of yardage that they've had all season on punt returns. But we'll take it. We'll Twenty-one take it. yards, and but he did. My favorite thing was he fumbled, and, and I think you brought this point up. On uh, the post game show, Phil, he tried to sort of like act like he didn't. Yeah, he totally did. He fumbled, he recovered it, and then he's like, I'm just going to leave the field now, as if the stat book wouldn't show fumble. Offensive line notes, just last thing here on yeah. our nerd football stats. So, uh, Pro Football Focus rates all of the units. So, like the Cleveland Browns have the best offensive line in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Pass blocking, I think they're second in run blocking. The Vikings in pass protection are 26th out of 32 teams. And in run blocking, they are twenty second. So in both in both so the run blocking matches the eye test better than the pass blocking. Both are still bottom third in the NFL. Hmm, okay. So and the Cleveland Browns are uh, at the top of both those lists now. They're number one in both categories, and they were not nearly that high. I think they were closer to the bottom before Kevin That's, Stefanski got there. Because Stefanski's known for his stout defense. His stout. No, no, offensive oh, line. O- offensive line, sorry. Yep, offensive Good run blocking him. and pass blocking. So, all right, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Tomorrow, it's our st- our weekly State of Kirk Cousins discussion. So uh, check us out. Seven-day-a-week Vikings content. From the number one fanboy, Kirk Cousins. He is <laughs> the fourth-quarter pharaoh. Tom Brady, you're next, buddy. <laughs> He's got a list. You're next. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs>